Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today is one of those special episodes that I call MarTech Mondays, where I get to invite and feature one of the MarTech or sales tech technology tools that are out there that are in use by our clients that are out there solving problems for people. Uh, and what's always nice about these these features is that I think everyone I've ever done, uh, I have a great relationship with the organization, and today is no different. Uh, today on the program, I have the president and chief product officer, Nick Edward, and I'm I, I'm hoping I say that right because I know there's a little French element to that and you know i took spanish in school nick i didn't take french and so i i'm sure i always you know it. Hey. it sounds you like edward it. and it should say edward yeah you get eduardo quite a lot but you nailed it don't hold it against me sir if you if you can but hey welcome to the program nick uh how are you how's the team uh i'm very well dave and uh it's very good to be here thank you for having me um it's uh been a it's been a rather epic year so um uh, very excited for uh, to be closing out 2018 very strongly here at Path Factory, but uh, even more excited for 2019. So our instruction to the team is go away, rest up, and uh, come back fresh because we've got a lot of work to do next year. I'm sure you guys do too. We do, we do too. Um, we had an amazing year. You know, when we've been around now, this coming June will be the completion of our 12th year, so 11 and a half years. And we grew quite a bit this year, which is which is cool when you've been around for this long and you're still growing over twenty percent, and that's a real indication of really what's happening in in the market that nothing is slowing down. That that digital marketing and creating digital experiences is alive and well, and I, I believe market um, resistant. Like I don't I don't think it matters what happens in the stock market, which has been pretty volatile this year. We're seeing all of yeah. our clients, you know, push in their chips on marketing and on sales. And continuing to to grow, which has been good. The other thing I'll tell you, Nick, which I think is really relevant for us to kick off, is I just spent three days in Las Vegas uh, under special VIP invite from Adobe. Uh, so, as you know, Adobe acquired Marketo. Oh, wow. oh yeah, and they were having their uh, annual worldwide sales conference. So, picture you're in a massive ballroom, as large as any conference center that you and I have ever been to, whether that's Eloqua Experience or Serious Decisions or Marketo Summit, like 3,700 yeah. people. I think there were 4,000. Good Lord. Yeah, they have 3,700 salespeople, so they invited some other partners uh, you know, from the Adobe ecosystem and, and you know, partners like us from the Marketo ecosystem and brought us all together to lay out their strategy for next year. And a huge part of their messaging, like foundational, I'll have to send you the graphic of the picture that I took when it was up. There were two things at the bottom of it. Guess what these words were? Content and data. Content plus data. Content and data. The center <laughs> yeah. of everything Adobe was talking about and said it really comes down to content and data. So what a great way for us to start. So for those of you who don't know, Path Factory provides content marketing solutions. And I'm going to let Nick describe way better uh, in terms of where they are uh, today than, than I can ever do. But the general premise is that, you know, for all of us that have grown up in digital marketing, traditionally what we did was 
We would create content, whether that was a website page or a downloadable asset, and we would try to drive people to that, either through inbound or outbound marketing, and maybe even syndicate this content. So when you do that, especially if it's on your site, you have the challenge of, do you gate it? Do you not gate it? Do you make a landing page for every piece of content? And so of the many things that Path Factory has done is to try to help marketers do a better job of merchandising or creating somewhat of a Netflix-type experience uh, for the content through their hubs and, and creating very powerful tools for content marketers to produce assets and give, their, give insights to what, uh, how people are reading and what they're reading and engaging with that content. So, Nick, what am I not telling people about? I mean, that's always my take on what Path Factory is. Did I miss stuff? That was a very good summary, Dave. Um, you're bang on. I mean, our entire life is, is content plus data, and it has been when we started the company six, over six years ago now, I think, uh, maybe close to the seventh. Um, congratulations, first and foremost, on your success. Thank you. That is, that is phenomenal. Um, and uh, testament to the, to the rather excellent work that your demand gen team does. Thank you. We know that firsthand. Um, so what do we do? We're, we're, as I mentioned, we're obsessed with content plus data. And uh, I had seen in all the, 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 the literature that was produced, the, the narrative around the acquisition of Marketo by Adobe, that, that theme coming up time and time again, content plus data. And that's where we live. So w- to, to your point, Dave, we, I mean, B2B marketing is fueled by content. That's what we're trying to do. It's trying to get people to engage with content all day long. What's interesting is the way in which we've delivered content in B2B has been pretty old school for quite a long time. Yep. Uh, at, at the same time, we've had what Forrester is, is reporting, that I think they call it the, 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 the rise of the B2B consumer, the consumerization of B2B buyer. Uh, we all work in B2B. That's exclusively what we do. We sell to mid-market enterprise uh, marketing teams in B2B. And the wonderful thing about being in B2B is, A, your buyers, your prospects, they have, it is their job to buy stuff. Um, so we need to help them buy. And then secondly, everyone in B2B has also got a B2C life too, right? Outside of our nine to five or eight to seven or whatever it is, sure the do. hours you do. Everyone's got a life outside of that. And I don't think there's ever been a bigger disconnect between the way in which people engage with kind of content in the B2C life and how we deliver content to them in the B2B world. So you mentioned the creation of, of uh, web pages, digital assets and the like. How we normally try and drive traffic to that and is, is, is doing things like running email nurture, right? I'm going to try and tell you a story. I'm going to send you email one and advertise content offer A, wait two weeks, advertise content off of B, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to try and tell you this story over six, seven content assets. I'm going to try and get your attention six or seven times too, but with a 2% click-through rate, math doesn't really support that at all. Right. So our whole approach is, is how do we solve for all of those issues? How do we accommodate um, uh, kind of a, a consumerized B2B buyer? And how do we make sure that we give him the information uh, he's looking for whenever and wherever we see him? And that's what we do. We activate... Uh, basically our customers' investment into content. So uh, typically our kind of customers maybe have 200, 500 content assets, whatever it is, web pages, PDFs, videos, et cetera. And they're normally distributed all across the, the, the web. Some is on their digital properties, but some might be on YouTube channel, et cetera. How do we pull all those together? And if we've done the hard work of getting Bob to click on, say, the email that we just sent him, or the display ad that we showed him, how do we give him not just the asset that, that, uh, that, uh, that he's looking for, 
but more content, more relevant content in session? How do we basically let him binge on content? And that's a very natural behavior. We're not trying to manufacture any behavior. We're trying to accommodate something. You and I both know that when we're in this kind of re research mode, someone's done a hard work of piquing my interest in something. I need more, right? Where do I go next? I want to add to that, Nick, uh, and underscore the point that you just made, which is you're creating a solution to support the buyer's desired experience, the modern buyer's, the minor research. You know, I, I did. I spent last night on the couch with my future son-in-law. Shout out to Alex. Uh, and mm -hmm. we were going through YouTube watching some pretty funny videos. And we were, yeah. you know, as we watched one, and by the way, just full disclosure, do you know what we were watching? Go on. <laughs> These were videos of guys that had developed boxes that explode like confetti and glitter and all kinds of stuff that they have uh, this time of the year they put out on doorsteps so as what are they what are they call porch pirates as porch pirates go around and steal stuff these things go off whether it's blank shotgun shells or or, or glitter and they're pretty hilarious so that that's what we were watching and to your point like, right. once we found one that was funny I wanted to find more humorous ones like that, and YouTube did a phenomenal job of just saying, here's more of what you seem to be looking for, and that's, that's how yeah. buyers want to consume. So like you said, for, for you to create an experience that's frictionless for a buyer to do research is what the desired goal is, right? We, versus yeah. landing page with form after form after form, that's a very friction-oriented content-consuming experience that, that is a scavenger hunt of what you're looking for as opposed to a um, you know, machine learning algorithmic, uh, let me prescribe to you more content of what you seem to look like. So thank you for, for saying that this is an inside-out approach where you want to look at how buyers are consuming content and design a solution to do that yeah. rather than a tool for marketers to just push out more merch, push out more, more content. It was really buyer-centric. That's, that's spot on. I've been thinking a lot about something that we're referring to as buyer enablement, first and foremost, because coming back to my earlier point, if, if sales and marketing isn't in service of helping people buy, what are we doing? How do we help them buy? Well, we give them the information they need to make a, a, a timely, informed purchase decision. And uh, it's critical. I guess the other aspect, and I'm glad you touched on it, on it Dave, is, is the kind of the AI side of things. So how do we do that? Well, first and foremost, uh, we generate a, an entire new class of first-party data for, for our customers, which is namely, how is my audience actually engaging with my content? And that's not kind of clicks or visits or form fills, right? They, those are kind of binary old-school actions that tell you if something did or did not happen. But the best they speak to quantity. We had 100 people click on our email. Great. What happened next? So what we do is track actually how people engage with content at a very granular level. So we can look at the two clicks that you generated from the Marketo email send, for example, and uh, right, Bob and Sally both clicked. Well, Bob only spent six seconds with the content asset on the other side. Sally, on the other hand, well, she read it for three minutes. And then she went on to give you another seven minutes of her precious time with two other content assets. Now that's that's really understanding the quality of the engagement. It's understanding um, where she is potentially in her buying cycle. It's, we believe that it's a very strong intent signal, and it's a first-party intent signal of, of someone's readiness, sales readiness. 
who who does the BDR want to speak to, right? Bob or Sally? Well, we can we can give the BDR that data to say you're going to have a good conversation with Sally because she gave you ten minutes. No one's doing this. It's not your YouTube experience, right? You're not doing your health and same or enjoyment. It is B2B content. So with the best respect to everybody, no one's doing it for their health and same or enjoyment. They're doing it because they've got to get something done. So Sally spends 10 minutes with three things on corporate governance risk solutions. It's pretty significant. So being able to track that, one of the things we spent a lot of time doing this year is, um, is augmenting that data set. So we've been always very good at tracking the engagement. Yeah. Uh, we built our own kind of native native tracking script to be able to do that because GA, Adobe Analytics, like they don't really do that. Um, That's an important point, right? You're you're adding an analytics layer into the assets that you're creating and, and putting some some science there. And and there, would you say, Nick, like the reason you're doing coming back to Netflix? So the Netflix um, content producers, right? Over the years, we've seen Netflix not only merchandise other people's content, which is where they started, yeah. but then they started producing their own content. In fact, they used AI, which I've talked on the program before, for coming up, not AI, machine learning, um, and, yeah. and, and some AI layer to say, well, let's match up this director and this producer and these actors in this storyline because that's what people really appeals to them. And so I know, I remember back with my work at Microsoft, you know, long, long time ago, when we produced commercials, they would show this really cool like neuroscience lab where they were having people who would watch the commercials um, watch their brain patterns to see the level of emotional engagement that they had with different parts of the commercial to figure out how to engage an audience and keep their attention. You know, if you're spending millions of yeah. dollars on Super Bowl commercials, you not only want to inform, but you want to entertain so people are, are connected. Yeah. So coming back to your point, which is you want to know the level of engagement, right? And, and show marketers how their audiences are having with that, that content. How do you do that? Ah, yeah, so that's, a, that's a great, great question. You're spot on with the, with the ambition. Um, the, the data set that we build for each of our customers really has three major pillars to it. There's information about the visitor, there's information about the content, and then there's information about engagement. I always think of it as like we're like a B2B matchmaking service. How, how, does, how, do my, how does my audience hit it off with my content? Um, so on the, the content and the engagement side of things, those are, those are proprietary to us. And uh, the visitor side of things um, is a bit more straightforward. There's already a lot of this uh, information about this. There's probably existing in the rest of the MarTech stack. So we have built native integrations with Salesforce, for example, to take data out. So, all right, he's a member of a known database. What's his job title? What's his account, et cetera? We've also built uh, integrations with uh, third-party IP-to-account services like uh, like Pickfire and, and Demandbase. So that allows us, even if the visitor's not known to the marketer, we can still obviously associate it with an account. So the visitor's pretty straightforward. The content's a really interesting piece. So um, no one likes tagging anything, right? And, and when you do tag, it's hard to tag. Right. It's actually phenomenally hard. When you do tag, you typically tag for your own reasons, right? For discoverability of content or for reporting, et cetera. You certainly don't tag in service of your customer, typically, your prospect, rather. So this year, we built um, the ability to really understand the content. So we extract all the content into machine-readable format, and then we run natural language processing and semantic uh, topic modeling on it to build you a very rich understanding. Sure, 
you guys have said this is to do with payroll. But it's also to do with another 200 things to a greater or lesser extent. It's to do with the behavioral science aspect of payroll, for example. And it's that, that data set that we use to really look at the distance between content assets. So we can start to understand VPs of finance are engaging with these topics in this content format, et cetera, and it's generating this level of engagement. This is what is working for you. So I'm at a loss to think of any really important sales or marketing question that doesn't, uh, isn't answered or at least informed by this data set. How is my audience engaging with my content? Uh, we want to look at it from a topics level. What should you be making more of? Um, I, I think uh, uh, you guys of the um, would be very insightful to know kind of watch what content is working by, by yeah. format, by topic, etc. With whom, and therefore, if I'm designing a campaign, what am I actually going to try and uh, what? Who is my audience for this particular topic, etc.? Yeah. Let me give an example of of where is a I'm going to put myself as a content marketer, and we'll talk about the podcast as an example. Um, it's not. It's 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 trying to solve the same problem, except it's audio. So for all of you listening to the program right now, uh, we're 17 minutes and six seconds into the program. And Nick has been talking, and I've been talking. We've been going back and forth. Wouldn't it be great if I knew when you were most engaged in listening? Um, yeah. Are you hearing Nick clearly? Are you hearing me clearly? Are you engaged with the content? Are you... And when I say engage with the content, not just listening, but is your brain processing in such a way where you're ingesting information and learning from it, or are you kind of disconnected and passive listening? Did you drift off or something that we say uh, to do that? So all of that, if you knew as a marketer how people are engaging with a content asset, you could rethink how you do content. Should you have larger visuals, larger headlines, yeah. um, more storylines? Should your content be a 173-page ebook or should it be a 17-page ebook? Is there a, is there a difference between that? So when I like using the podcast as an example, I don't have any of that information. You know what I know, Nick? I know which podcasts have been played the most. Yeah. And when I look at that, I start to think about. In fact, I just posted this on LinkedIn the yeah. other day. I did the I these saw. are the top. You saw that. So these are the top ten yeah. podcasts. Um, and so I know that by number of plays in the iTunes audience. I actually don't know the number of plays in in other podcasting apps. Only what my app is is tracking. So that was the number of plays. But you know what I often wonder: What should the subject line be? Does subject line correlate to more listens? Is it the guest in the program? Is it the length, right? Before you and I kicked off, we yeah. said, hey, we'll go for 30 minutes or so. We typically run longer. One person said to me one time, it'd be really great if you get the podcast under 30 minutes. I'm like, well, why? And he goes, well, that's my commute. And I and I hate sitting in the parking lot <laughs> listening to the remainder of it, or sometimes I don't. I said, that's good feedback. So there's all these different factors that we as marketers, you know, I'd love to know the right subject lines, how, how much the guest matters, uh, how much the storyline or what we're sharing. You know, are people yeah. more engaged for this past minute, which we're now at, well, we're now at 17 minutes, uh, 19 minutes, 17. So you guys are solving that, right? You guys are providing dashboards for marketers to say, we'll show you all of your content assets. We'll show you the depth of what people are reading into them and how yeah. engaged they are so that you who are producing and desiring to produce more content know what's working and and maybe what's what's not quote working and of course working but you see my air quotes on the video my my working was there's engagement <laughs> but does it correlate 
to purchase, right? Because you may. So, yeah. So that's the other part of our native integration with Salesforce. Because we're now taking out account and opportunity data, we start to look at the, at the engagement and say, well, look, this is meaningful. 18 months ago, I charged our product team with like, all right, we've always been great at kind of Bob spent three minutes and 12 seconds with this content asset. I want to know if this is good and if it's meaningful. Like, did it matter? And to do that, obviously, we started to, to understand the content, to understand what it's about. How long should Bob have spent with this, for example? Oh, if he should have spent four minutes with it, that's pretty bloody good. If we should have spent 20 minutes, not great, but it's still better than nothing. Um, and then is it, does, does it matter? So does it, does it drive pipeline? Does it, does it, uh, uh, do we see funnel progression off the back of this? So we've been able to tie kind of content engagement to impact on revenue. And that's the most important thing. That was the missing part of our data set was the impact that it was having. So we're very excited about this. Uh, we built this entire new reporting and analytics layer on top of this data set that we call Path Analytics. And the power what in is it the called? data Hit that again? is immense. Path, path Analytics. We're very good at naming things. Babe. We're wow. uh, I, I even know your head of marketing, L, and I want to tell her like your name, <laughs> your your naming features and capabilities, and that's good. I uh, I think uh, I won't throw L under the bus. That 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 sits with me. That's that was my, you. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. It was originally to... name was Super Analytics. So Path Analytics is at least better than Path that. Analytics to kind of go with Path Factory. <laughs> it turns out just pick Super. Path. Yeah. Yeah. See? So clever, Nick. You, you know what? Yeah, don't quit your day job man you you could be you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> the brand we, uh, of shame no path path analytics please continue so path analytics is letting you correlate content to to revenue absolutely i really understand kind of what's driving it and that's that's the thing that is uh the most important thing is, is obviously this data set is fueling our recommendation engine so now when you come back to as we were talking about before, it's like, how, how, do, how does it actually work? How do we make a good recommendation? It's like, we've got this data set. So we can put that in service in exactly the same way that Netflix does. Um, so yeah, we spent a lot of time, uh, Netflix publishes a lot of great stuff on how their algorithms work, et cetera. We've read all of it. We've um, looked at what's potentially relevant for us to, 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 to look at from their perspective. Not all of it is. Uh, they have a far more rigid content taxonomy, for example, than the vast majority of our customers. Um, uh, so we see content for, that's something we've had to solve for, is like, how do we create that content taxonomy across all of our customers? Um, but it's all fascinating stuff. And the next gen, I mean, we've had machine learning in, in the Power Factory solution since early 2016. You have to. But the right? next gen of that. Doing. Yeah, yeah, you have to. The next gen of that, though, which is uh, which should be should be available in kind of end of Q1, is uh, takes us to the next level. We've been playing around with that data set and various approaches to uh, kind of personalization uh, algorithms alike all year, and uh, we're very happy with where we've ended up. It it works exceptionally well. Nice. That said, I mean AI is it's obviously great to, for dealing with specific things like how do you how do you do this at scale, for example? But I think it's important. Still, this is this is certainly our approach, always from a product perspective. Is we need to be able to accommodate the manual, like rules-based stuff. Like uh, I still, AI is great, but a marketer's intuition on stuff can't be ignored. And 
Uh, they're just putting in a, 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 launching a program next week, for example, and they need to be able to promote that. And so we have to have stuff to ability to override what the rest. So an example of that is. We have um, some of the most consumed content on our website these days is um, should you migrate or not? Should you migrate marketing automation systems? So what you're saying is um, if marketing wants to say, if they're reading, uh, if they grab this, we have a checklist, like key key responsibilities that you have uh, to take for migrating from one system to another. And what you're saying is if they read this, make sure you serve up these other assets, even though I can trust... AI and machine learning, but you're saying, you know, this is, these are condiments. These are additional pieces of content that, that surround that other piece that I want to make sure they see visibly. So, so doing that. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, for a specific audience, maybe that's, yeah. I had a, I had a question for you about, um, why not? So there's really you guys and one other company that in this ecosystem, you know, that, that really has a passion for this content management platform or however you guys want to categorize it, why would people not go in this direction? Like why, why, what do you run into resistance? Um, Cause I'm curious, cause it's, it's as intuitive to layer something in yeah. like this to your marketing. And yet, of course, not everybody doesn't because maybe they don't know about it, but what do you find? I think um, that's a, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the, Candidly, I think maybe two, three years ago, we were maybe slightly ahead of the curve and that uh, the market is now catching up to us. We're, one of the reasons we're so excited about 2019 is to think that this is the zeitgeist. This is where the, the time is right, right? We're seeing a lot more pull from people as opposed to us having to sell them. Everyone buys into the concept so quickly and the conversation then very much becomes, how do we make it work for us given our legacy investments in tech stack, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't we don't replace anything really. We we kind of supercharge it. Typically, we work as it's like an overlay layer on existing marketing campaigns or on your website, etc. So yeah, why don't why don't people buy? I mean, as I mentioned, I think the there is a there is a zeitgeist. I think there's more appetite for what we what we're selling because it is to your point remarkably intuitive, um, and we don't we don't need to sell them on concepts anymore. Really, we are. Uh, uh, the, course, the, the, the conversation turns very quickly. Well, how do we make it work for us, given our legacy tech stack? Um, we, I guess one of the objections that we do hear quite a lot is, is we're not sure we've got enough content. And uh, I've never actually seen that to be true, particularly given the type of companies that we typically sell to, mid-market and enterprise B2B companies. They're actually, they've got a ton of content. What, what they might think though is that they don't have enough content that they like <laughs> and you produce a lot of content i write some stuff whenever i can too and uh if you're anything like me i'm i'm done with the content as soon as i finished it right yeah and, uh so falling out of love with it and 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 i think that that that's the problem that a lot of people have and that is that's more about us than it is about our audience right, right. because um there's always a long tail to content uh, the fact that uh, we might have written something two years ago doesn't matter to our audience if it's still relevant. And so that's, that's, that's the objection that we normally hear. It's like we're not sure we've got enough content. And what, what I think that normally translates into is we're not sure we've got enough content that we'd like. Yeah. And then that's where the insight and the data side of things become so powerful because, like, well, 
let's not let's not trust your judgment let's see what your audience actually engages with mm -hmm. and uh let's make the whole thing far more data driven than than uh than a subjective kind of emotional response so it sounds like listening to you is that when you demonstrate the capability marketers get it um you feel yeah. that you are probably a little bit early which is better to be early than than late right from an innovation perspective and that um, there's a resistance at some point, which is, I don't know if I have enough content, but like you said, it, it's, it's really more good content. It's like whenever somebody finishes a website redesign, they're so bored with it by the time it launches because they've seen it for months or even a year. Yeah. When we write content, and, and by the way, right, the content can be blog posts. The content can be full yeah. eBooks. The, the content can be, you know, really any, any type of asset. So the benefit of, of moving to an environment like this that we've seen with our clients is that they have, I'm going to go, call it again, a content management system, meaning that they have a real-time, always accurate inventory of all the assets that they have when they put them into these environments, yeah. not only knowing what's working. And if, when they don't, like you said, it's, it's up there in wherever they're storing in their you know, website's PDF directory that they're just linking everything to after, after the gate. So it's all up there and they don't remember, A, what's in there, but they don't even know what's really working and what's good because they don't uh they don't have easy ways to tell like logs of of how much consumption there is be let alone not just what they downloaded because that's most marketers that's all they know at that point right if they gated it this is how many people downloaded that asset that's a good starting point but what if they knew how engaged they are with the content what if they knew if the content that they are reading then connects to revenue and opportunity which i want to come back to that because i have a client right now that is struggling big time because of they are trying to connect revenue to audiences that have gone through nurtures versus audiences that have gone directly to sales. And the reason that they're struggling with that reporting is some of the things that we've been talking about, but mainly having to do with their CRM, that the contacts right. that have gone through the nurtures are not connected to the opportunity. So the opportunity that was closed yep. one, they don't know what campaigns and whether they went through the nurtures and that type of stuff so we are helping them solve that using actually other data tools to you know um to help solve the the disconnected data challenge which is again back to adobe's kind of like you know main themes of like you need phenomenal content because the best infrastructure in the world is not going to make you a great marketer you need great yep. content uh and then you also need not only to capture the data but to make insights of the data Have, are you seeing are you seeing your clients run against the same type of challenges that I just described? Yeah, very much so. And that's something that we have to solve uh, on our side. I mean, really, uh, I mean, our, our own sales guys are pretty good at this, but frequently I can look at an opportunity and then see that there's one contact associated with it. So we created kind of like a, a lead to account and opportunity, I guess, kind of a mapping waterfall where we're able to associate, all right, so... These are definitely, these people are associated with the, with the opportunity. So we know that 60 grand's worth of revenue, these three people are involved. What content engagement do they have? Like not just in the CRM, but obviously the whole way through their journey to, uh, through your funnel. After that, then we've got, right, well, we've, we've seen a number of people maybe from the map that have the same domain that we believe are actually should probably be associated with this opportunity. So that's kind of like the second order. And then there's still a ton normally of anonymous engagement that never converted, which is where the, the kind of IP to account uh, side of things comes in, that we then need to be a, to, to associate with it. And so we've, 
we've approached it very much as these three tiers. Yeah. But here's, here's what you guys have been rock solid on. Here's what we think should also. Um, and then over and above that, there's the anonymous portion of it. So, yeah, we, that was something we definitely had to solve for. Cool. What's, uh, what's in store for next year? What's, uh, what's on the plans for Path Factor? What's your top, top initiatives? As, as the CPO, the Chief Product Officer, what are we going to... I mean, that's a lot. There's a lot of value right there. But is there something that you guys yeah. are going to solve next or, or provide next? Yeah. Quite a few things, actually. So the, um, I'm most excited about 2019 because uh, well, you and I have known each other for quite a long time now. 2019 is, is the year which uh, we're actually going to uh, we're going to deliver on the product vision, the product vision that we've always had. So there's, there's, uh, there's a couple of big things that we need to do. I, I mentioned earlier that we're talking, thinking a lot more around kind of buyer enablement. What does that really mean? And how do we leverage that data set even better, the data set that we're building, um, uh, both from an insight and and then a kind of activation perspective, i.e. in the borough reckons. We, we always thought that we're, we're really helping with kind of two things, decision support and then decision automation. Um, so how do we give the marketers the insight that they need to make better decisions, whether it's around spend and performance optimization or the like, or how campaign response optimization, how should I now behave? And Sally just gave us 10 minutes with three content assets on corporate governance, et cetera. Uh, and then the decision automation is like, well, what decisions can we take out of the market's hands and do on their behalf because of that scale? But I think, I think um, demand gen in general is undergoing uh, a bit of a change. Uh, Man, if I, I had a I nickel every that. time, you know, when you say demand gen's going through a change, we are going through a change, but you mean demand gen as a, as, as a, as a discipline. As a what, how is it changing? What do you think? What's the change that, that it's going through? I think the, there's, um, if you think of, uh, demand gen has tried to, it's been their job to orchestrate the buyer's journey. Right. And we've done that typically normally starting on kind of whiteboards and sticky notes in rooms, right? With content for these people. And then you take that and then you build it in something like campaign canvas in Adequa. Uh, we've been thinking of that as that's really server side orchestration, right? Very rules based. Um, it certainly isn't dynamic. It works on our schedule. It's by our design. We've been thinking a lot more about, well, how do we enable the buyers even better than we do today? And uh, we're, we're unpacking something we call kind of client-side orchestration. So uh, particularly with things like the rise of the CDPs, our own tracking scripts, the data set that we've talked about, how do we actually make decisions that are on the, 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 the browser side, right? That we don't need to come back and check for any logic over here. Maybe there's some, some generic rules, et cetera, of which content you want to, uh, to specifically target to which audience. But how do we move a lot of that logic to the browser side? And so I think that when I think about kind of the application of AI as a casual term, the, the demand gen job is going to become, I think, where do, we, where, do we, where do we spend money that best drives traffic that then we automate, like the client-side orchestration takes care of, of the content activation and the nurture, et cetera, of, of the buyers at a very hyper-personalized level. And then, how do, uh, then I need to obviously check back on the results and the insight and this, this virtuous loop. But a lot of that orchestration piece, I think, is, is something that, that we're super interested in. And things like the rise and interest of, of CDPs, that's an enabler for a lot of that, too. 
Yeah, Does that make sense, Dave? Totally. And by the way, the, the CDP, the customer data platform, are the tool sets that we are now using to solve that problem I mentioned that one of our clients is going through earlier with all cool. the disconnected. So, you know, we when you have data everywhere uh, in different systems, marketing automation, CRM, content management systems, all that, we're starting to embrace CDP tools a lot more for our clients to help them make sense of, of all the data. A uh, couple things I want to wrap up on in terms of roadmap and as as their product officer, Nick, and I don't know if this is a great idea, maybe you've even solved it already. One of the challenges I see salespeople struggle with is what content should I serve yep. up to a prospect at this stage? So if you're collecting all this yep. information and you have it, if there was a way, and again, maybe you do, inside the CRM that when a sales rep is looking at an account or opportunity to merchandise them, these these are useful assets you might find in your sales cycle um, because they don't know the treasure trove. They're not studying the treasure trove of, of content that, that marketing has created, nor do they know how to correlate, oh, this is someone who's interested in a marketing automation migration, and they've read this one asset, but they somehow didn't get these other yeah. assets, so I'm going to provide this stuff. If you could illuminate that to sales and make it easy yeah. for them to push it out? That's exactly what we're, that's, that's, that is, that's exactly one of the things that we think is part of a complete buyer enablement suite, right? Buyer enablement for sales. And so the, um, we, we've already put the insight into stuff like Salesforce, right? Like a visual force embed. So here's part of path analytics that's relevant for you. See the account engagement across all your known contacts, et cetera. Like what are they reading? What topics of interest they're interested in? But yeah, you're right. What we haven't done at the moment is put that recommendation there next. And the way that we think of, of sales is, is really that they're a channel for, mm-hmm. for, for content in the exactly. same way that the email is, et cetera. So um, that's something that we're doing, giving a lot of thought to. And I think, you know, we always try, aim to do a, a big release kind of in, in certainly around Serious Decision Summit in May. So we're scoping that at the moment. I'm very excited by that. And it's going to have a, at its core this, the next gen of buyer enablement, basically. Because we think that that's really a category in its own right. Nice. Well, congratulations on all the momentum uh, that you have, the success that you guys had. Sounds like it was a great, uh, 2018 was a great year. And you, you continue to round out the platform and deliver on the vision. Uh, on a personal note, I want to thank you for having me out at uh, one of your events and speaking there. And for those of you... I think, you know, so many people associate me, of course, with marketing technology and sales technology and the infrastructure of marketing, which certainly my company, Demand Gen by Day, that's what we help people with is the use and adoption, the methods and technologies for driving growth. But as I said earlier, if you don't make good content, all that's for naught. And so, you know, the reason that I write books, the reason that I create blog posts, the reason that I'm active on LinkedIn and I do this podcast is I love content. I love creating content. And, uh, you know, Nick, to just let you in on a little secret, next year in 2019, Demand Gen is going to have some surprises in the content creation area in two ways. All One right. Is, yeah, finally, right? So, I mean, we've helped people with nurture and email and landing page copy kind of opportunistically in the past, but we've never put a real focus effort to helping our clients produce content that's going to drive growth. So we've got some news coming up there at some point. The other thing is that we're bringing some technology. I'm advising a company uh, on creating some technology that that will allow for conversational content, if you will. And so I look forward to coming back to you and the team and showing uh, what's been built there, because I think that can be 
a game changer, just in the same way that Drift enabled people to have conversations on websites in real time. What if we could do that in content? What if we could download an asset and talk directly with an SDR or someone through that piece of content? And and you will be. So more on that uh, coming up. Uh, I also want to just give a... Cool. I want to show you what this looks like after the first of the year and get your take on it. Because again, I think it can be a game changer because it's kind of silly, right? That you go to a website, you download a piece of content and you read it. And then maybe in that piece of content, you look for a phone number or an email or something to get to the company. What if you could engage right then through the asset that you're reading? And that is going to happen in 2019. Very cool. Cool. Very cool. I would, uh, you should uh, check out, we actually did announce an integration with Drift uh early in the week so uh have a peek at that i'll flip that your way but uh yeah they've been they've been pioneering obviously kind of conversational marketing and i think there's uh it's got a lot of legs what i've always been intrigued by is i don't know any data thought this but for every person that's raised to talk to a sales person or interact with uh with trip i still believe that there's probably another 99 people that are just there for information so how do we accommodate those people uh, significantly better on their uh, on their path to purchase? See what I did there, too, Dave. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yep. <laughs> Nick, my last my last kudos to you is you do messy really well, and 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 for those of you who don't know, have never met Nick. <laughs> Nick has like the great hair. You know, I don't. Do you style the hair that way, or do you just roll out of bed and you just look amazing with your hair? It's, and that's uh, it. It's, Depends, depends how grubby it is, to be honest. And, uh, <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't bring the entire audience into my personal grooming account, but it's pretty short. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> I did a couple of years ago add to that messy lip by obviously growing a slightly untamed wild beard. And it was probably no surprise that yesterday I was voted as the person most uh, that, that had to dress up as Santa at the Christmas bash last night. So, I didn't uh, know that. So I cursed the bear. Yeah, there's, uh, right. there's unfortunate evidence of it on the Twitter. Well, look up Nick online uh, on LinkedIn and, and check out Nick's hair because he, he does messy well. And uh, I'm, as the years go on and I have less and less of it, I get more and more jealous, Nick, that you can not only pull off the look, but you have... A full head of hair and a wonderful beard. All right, on that note, I think we are going to wrap up. Give my best to the team. Thanks for joining me and and catching us up on on Path Factory. Uh, People can go to pathfactory.com. By the way, if that's a new brand to you, uh, there was a rebrand that you guys accomplished as well in 2018. We did. She does the hell for pulling that one off, yeah. Lookbook HQ. Yeah, so the Lookbook HQ is, in the past, Path Factory is the brand going forward, and uh, really appreciate the partnership, and we've enjoyed helping your clients uh, embrace the tool set and and get their content in there and connect it into their marketing automation CRM. So if any of you wind up with Path Factory and need some help, definitely reach out to us at DemandGen. We can get you some some quick traction there and learn these new tools. I think, Nick, I asked about why people don't use this stuff. What we saw happen a lot in 2018 was the sunsetting of applications because people had taken on a lot of tools and you just didn't put the time and resources into it. So... You know, uh, it wasn't about the tool in many cases that they sunset. It just don't have the resources and time. So invest wisely in 2019. There's some really great yeah. technology out there that'll help you grow. But you know, make sure that you've either got an agency partner like us to get you up and running and get and keep you running really well, or that you're investing in the internal resources uh, to do it. Because with great power comes great responsibility. True words. 
That's Spider-Man, I think. All right, sir. Have a great one. Happy uh, New Year to you and the team. And we'll catch you back up in, in 2019. Cheers. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.